of do we live like we believe it? Do we live in a way that shows that our belief is really what we believe? And I loved how he, he started, uh, he gave this illustration about the, the man that was on the, the tightrope walking over Niagara Falls. And I'll just give it a little, re- rehash a little bit. But this, this man was walking on this tightrope and he, he could go forward and backwards. He could fry an egg and all, all kinds of stuff. He was, he was very talented. But when he asked the crowd, do you guys think I can do this with a wheelbarrow? They all said yes, of course. They saw how talented he was. They saw that he could do it. They trusted and believed that he was able to do this crazy feat. But of course, when he asked for a volunteer to ride in the wheelbarrow, he wasn't able to find a volunteer. No one believed him that much that they would put their life at stake. No one believed and no one was able to to stand up and volunteer to, to ride in this wheelbarrow. Now, is that how we view the Lord? Do we, do we trust Him and we believe Him, but to a point where we're not going to do something that's, that's risky? I hope not. And over the next few weeks, we're going to actually be exploring living like you believe it. And I, I loved how Dwayne shared this, and I had been looking for a, uh, a, a series on for the first part of the year, what, what to share. And, and uh, really, I've been praying about how um, maybe we should just look at kind of some of the core beliefs of what we believe and how we believe it. And so uh, when he said he was going to be preaching on, on resurrection and, and, and really living like you believe it, I was like, hey, perfect, perfect way to call the series, living like you believe it. So I'm not going to take any credit for that idea because that was Dwayne. Um, so thanks, Dwayne. But today we're going to be focusing on living like you believe it and who is God? God himself, and, and when I ask that question, who is God, and what do we believe about God, there's a lot of things that we believe about God, and there's a lot of things that we could say about it. So, uh, just yell it out. What do we believe about God? Go ahead. Almighty. Faithful. Creator. All-powerful. Forgiving. Father. Holy, Prince of Peace, Sovereign, Eternal. All right, you guys are good at this. (laughs) That's good because those are all things we believe about God. Those are all things that we claim about who God is and how we can be trusting in who He is. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we could talk about with all those things. What, who is God and, and, and what do we believe about God? Uh, and so I kind of thought we should turn to uh, what it says in the Confession of Faith in a Mennonite Perspective, the 1995 version of this. The, the Mennonite churches came together to, find, to form a document of what, they, what we believe about certain things. And so what they, in, the, in the summary statement about in Article 1 of God, It says this about God. It says, We believe that God exists and is pleased with all 
who draw near by faith. We worship the one holy and loving God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit eternally. We believe that God has created all things, visible and invisible, and has brought salvation and new life to humanity through Jesus Christ, and continues to sustain the church and all things until the end of the age. Now, there's several more paragraphs about who God is. Uh, there's also more paragraphs about who Jesus the Son is and, and the Holy Spirit. Um, but we, I don't know if we're going to be able to get to all those, but we're going to look at at least some of the basics of who God is. So, um, first of all, we believe that the one true God is eternally living and relational. God is eternal. That means we've talked about it recently about how Jesus was the everlasting Father. How that Jesus doesn't have a start. Uh, the, the God, that God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit doesn't have a start. Now, yes, we know that Jesus came in the form of a person at around, you know, right around the AD zero or, you know, right around the turn of this. Uh, when the numbers changed over from B.C. to A.D., right? Actually, it was probably about five years before that. But we know that, that Jesus came, but God was always. And God is always. So God is eternal, without a beginning, without an end. And that's a little confusing because we are not eternal. At least, at least we have a beginning, right? We have a beginning, and we will have, unless Jesus returns before we die on this earth, we will have an end, but like what Dwayne said last week, we have a resurrection. We are going to be, all who die are going to be resurrected. And resurrected to face judgment. And if we trust Jesus with our, in this life, then we're going to get to be with Jesus for all eternity. And so we know that, that God is eternal. Uh, he's living. Some, some would say, no, God, God's not present, or God, God started the world a long time ago, and he's, he's kind of left it to its own devices. He's, he doesn't care, or he's not alive, or, or those kind of things. No, we believe that God is eternal, God is living, and also, he's not just uh, living, but he's, he wants to be in relationship with people. It says in Isaiah 40, uh, verse 28, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary and tired. His understanding no one can fathom. So God is this everlasting God. It says in Psalm 42, the beginning, it says, as a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When can I go and meet with God? God is a God that's alive. God is a God that's active. God is a God that wants to be in relationship with us. It says in the front of our bulletin today that a verse from Hebrews 11, the start of it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And a few verses later in Hebrews 11:6, it says, And without faith it's impossible to please God because... Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists 
and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So do we believe that God exists? Do we believe that He's eternal, that He's living, that He's relational? I hope, I mean, I, as, a, as a church we have said, yes, we believe. I hope that each of us believe that, that God is eternal and living and relational. But it's one thing to believe it, it's another thing to live it. So I'm going to be asking this question a lot. Do we live like we believe it? Do we live as if we are trusting in an eternal living and God that's relational? You know, since He's eternal, we can trust that no matter what time we have, He has all the time. We can trust that He has a plan and He knows what's best. You know, since he's, He wants to draw near to us all those who have faith, and since He's living and active, our relationship with God is not stagnant. It doesn't need to be stagnant anyways. If it's stagnant, it might be more on our end than it is on His end. Um, actually, I'm sure of that. But our relationship with God is, is dynamic because He's alive and He's active. And He is showing us more truth about Himself through His Word, through circumstances, through um, coming together in unity as believers in church, worshiping Him. And we're, we're growing in our faith of Jesus, of God, of the Spirit, uh, because He is alive and active. And we have a dynamic relationship with Him because He's re, um, relational. So we know that we first believe that He is eternally living and relational. We also believe that the one true God is triune. Triune means that He is, or He is triune because He's three. Three in one. Uh, he's the Father, Son, and Spirit. Uh, he has... The, God has three distinct persons. And this word triune means that these three distinct persons of God are in perfect harmony. So we have this, this three-in-one that's just sometimes hard to explain, sometimes hard to really grasp, but the way I kind of teach it to my kids is God is one, and I hold up three fingers like in one, one group right here. God is one. But he has three parts, or he is three persons. He's God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Spirit. And so we know God the Father, and we know God the Son is Jesus Christ, and we know God the Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, or the Holy Spirit. Um, and so God is not three, God is one, but in three parts. And so I don't know if that's an easy way or the way to think about it, but some have tried to say, you know, God is like an egg where there's, you know, there's a, the core or the, there's the yolk, there's the white, and then there's like a shell. And, and that kind of has made sense in my mind sometimes, but that kind of breaks down because, you know, God is, God, it doesn't work that he's in three different pieces like that. But God is, he's one. God is, God is this three in one, which in our minds, is still sometimes hard to understand. Three in one. But what we do believe is that he's triune. He is, he is one. And many places in the Bible, it talks about how, how God is one, and we believe in one God, not in three gods. So we believe that God is one, 
We believe that he has three distinct persons. Uh, it, it shows in, when Jesus was baptized, and it shows in Matthew 3, 16 and 17, it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized. So he came out from the water, and at that moment, heaven opened. And then he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and aligning on him. So he saw the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove. And then this voice from heaven, which we know is God the Father, says, this is my Son whom I love. And with him I am well pleased. So we have right here, we see that Jesus the Son, God the Spirit descending, and God the Father speaking out from heaven. And we see all three at the same time. Now there are some parts of Christianity that will say, well, God is actually three gods. Or God is all three gods three persons of God, but he can never be in multiple places. Like where he's, one time he's, he's God the Father, and then later he shows up as God the Spirit or God the Son, but he's never like all at the same time. And those are heresies, <laughs> so don't believe those, uh, because God doesn't have modes that he just changes. He, he is three distinct persons of God, three distinct um, forms of God, and he doesn't change back and forth. All three are living in perfect unity together. Jesus talks about it a little bit in John 16, where he says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, so he's talking about the spirit of truth, that is the Holy Spirit, or, the, or God the Spirit. So when he comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And what he t- will tell you is, is yet to come. So he's talking about this, his Holy Spirit coming. He's telling the disciples this. And it says, He will glorify me because from me, it is from me that he will receive and will make known to you. And then he says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. And that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So here, Jesus is talking about the Spirit of God. He's not talking about himself. He's talking about the Spirit of God. He's saying, when I leave, when Jesus is saying, when he would leave, the Spirit of God would come. The Spirit of God would give them truth. The Spirit of God will guide them. And I'm going to say to us too, the Spirit of God guides us. He has been given to us if we have trusted in Jesus. If we have given our life to God. And, and Jesus also says here that, that all belong to the Father. All that belong to the Father is mine. So Jesus is saying that He and the Father are also two distinct uh, persons of God. So we have the, the Spirit, we have the Father, and we have the Son. Now, maybe this is, maybe this is something that we've learned a long time ago or something that we have, don't think about very much. So I'm going to ask you the question, do we live like we believe in a triune God? Do we live like we have a Father 
God the Father, we have God the Son, and we have God the Spirit. Now, maybe that looks a little differently to you than, than me or others, but we can trust that God has perfect unity in Himself. That sounds kind of strange because we can't have perfect unity in ourselves, but God and us are not the same. God can have perfect unity in His relationship with Himself, and He doesn't need us. He doesn't need anyone because He has that perfect unity in Himself. But what's really neat is God invites us in to relationship. He invites us in to relationship with Him. And even though that might make things messier, confusing, or hard for Him, <laughs> He still invites us in. And so do we live like we are invited into relationship with a triune God? I hope so. I hope that we are living in that way that, that we can trust God and that we can know that God is perfectly complete even without us. He doesn't need us, but yet He welcomes us in. So we've seen that He's eternally living. He's relational. He's triune as Father, Son, and Spirit. And we also believe that the one true God is the creator and ruler of the universe. So, creator, we see in Genesis that, that God created all the universe. We, all six days of creation, he's creating everything perfectly. On the seventh day, he rested. In, in the Confession of Faith we read, I read a little bit ago, it says that we believe that God created all things visible and invisible and has brought salvation and new life to humanity through Jesus Christ and continues to sustain the church and all things until the end of the age. So we see here this, this part of how God is creator, how God is ruler, how God is in charge. He has all authority and he is the one that's sustaining and, and keeping, us, uh, keeping us until all time. It says in Colossians 1.15 to 17, says that the Son is the image of the invisible God. The Son is the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created. In Him things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. So we see that God is ruler. He's the creator. But He also has all authority and all power. And in, in God, we can trust not just that He has no beginning and no ending and He is eternal, but also that He has a plan. And He has, before creation, He knew what was going to happen. There was no plan B when sin entered the problem, equation. There was, he had a plan and he had a purpose, and in all things are created for him. And so, since we have a creator, and we have a ruler, how, does that, how do we live like we believe this? You know, because he created us, God knows us intimately. I mean, when we, when we make something with our hands, we, we're going to know that, that thing more than other people are going to know that. The inventor of the iPhone, you know, he knew 
the, the ins and outs of this. We can use it, but we're not going to know it like the inventor knows it. God made us. He formed us. He knows us intimate, intimately more than we can ever know ourselves. In, infinitely more. And also, because He knows us, we can take comfort that we are made in His image. We are His. And that we can trust Him. And that He has a plan. When things aren't going our way, the way we like it, we can trust that He is in charge and He has all authority. And He can do anything. And we, we can trust also that we were made with a purpose. And that the purpose is to give Him glory. To worship Him. And because we were made to worship Him, we can trust that what He does is good. And what He wants to happen is ultimately going to happen. And we don't need to be trying to seek control. But we know that because He is in charge, because He has all authority, we can surrender and trust our lives to Him. To His rule and His reign. So we don't need to be trying to get control and trying to, to, to figure out what we can do. We just need to, tr- to let go and surrender and trust in the Lord and His sovereignty. So we can see that, that, that God is the one true God, eternally living, relational, triune, the creator of the, the universe. We also believe that the, the one true God is holy. And the one true God is loving. Now, we sang about this this morning, holy, holy, holy. We, we, holy means that He's set apart. He's calling us to be holy. He's calling us to be set apart. But He is holy. He has perfect holiness. He is set apart. And God wants us to join Him in being set apart and being not giving in to what the world wants us to give in to and temptation. And God is, is perfect. So we know that He is holy. We know that we can, we can trust Him because He's holy. And God is, is love. It says in, the, in this Confession of Faith about love, it says, and I think I have it on the screen, uh, that God's awesome glory and enduring compassion are perfect in holy love. God's sovereign power and unending mercy are perfect in almighty love. God's, per, God's uh, knowledge of all things and care for creation are perfect in preserving love. God's abounding grace and wrath against sinfulness are perfect in righteous love. God's readiness to forgive and power to transform are perfect in redemptive love. God's unlimited justice and continuing patience with mankind are perfect in suffering love. God's infinite freedom and constant self-giving are perfect in faithful love. 
to the holy, to the one holy and ever loving triune God be glory forever and ever. This, they, they break it into lots of different pieces of God's love. A holy love, an almighty love, preserving love, righteous love, redemptive love, suffering love, faithful love. Uh, and so God, we know, is, is love. We know that many times in the Bible it says God is love, but in 1 John 4, 16, he says, so we, we know and we rely on the love of God, the love that God has for us. And it says that God is love. Whoever loves, or sorry, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And so this love that God has is not a love that comes and goes. This love is a steadfast, faithful, righteous love. It's a suffering love. It, it's a redemptive love. It brings us closer to Him. It brings joy. In Psalm 25, it says, in verse 8, it says, uh, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what's right, and he teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep his commands, or demands of his covenant. Here, the psalmist is talking about how God is good, how God is perfect and upright, and he, he teaches us his ways. And His love and faithfulness is for all those who trust in Him and keeping what God is asking us to keep through His Word and His commands. So my question again is, so what's our response? How do we live this way? How do we live like we believe that God is holy, that God is loving? You know, it said in this confession that we worship the one holy and loving God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit eternally. Are you, am I, living like you believe that our God is holy and He has a faithful, unending love for each of us? Or are we thinking that because something bad happened in our life that God doesn't actually love us? Or that God doesn't want what's best for us? Or maybe there's other things that we believe. Are we, worshiping, are we worshiping the God of love? The God who is love? Are we trusting Him? Are we worshiping Him not just in this, in this building, but throughout the week, throughout each day? Are we worshiping Him and giving Him glory? Are we trusting Him? You know, we're going to sing in a little bit. We're going to sing Refiner's Fire, where we, we're choosing to be set apart for the Lord. We're choosing to be receiving His faithful, unending love. You know, we believe in the one true God. One God, eternal, living, relational, triune, the creator and ruler of the universe who is holy and loving. And here at East Bend, in our, our statement of faith on our website, it puts all that together and says, 
uh, we believe in the one living God who is the creator and ruler of the universe. We believe that he is a holy and loving God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit eternally. So this is, this is what we believe as a church. I hope this is what we all believe. And I hope that it's not just something we believe, but it, do we live it? Do we live it out? Do we trust God even when we don't understand? Do we seek Him out? Do we ask Him for guidance? Do we ask Him for strength to help us through our life? Do we ask Him to bless us? To bless others? Do we ask Him to heal? To comfort? Do we ask Him to be near us? To feel His presence? You know, this week, a lot of people, especially in our country, are turning to God for prayer. You know, on Monday night, there was this football player on the Buffalo Bills that had to receive CPR. And, and the game suddenly stopped, and, and people realized, you know, we, we put so much stock in sports, and we put so much uh, of our affection and maybe even worship in things that don't matter. And there's a lot of people that night and throughout this week that have been praying for Damar Hamlin, this player that's been in critical condition. He's been improving this week uh, remarkably. But I thought it was really neat that, that there was a former player that actually prayed on the air. He prayed on, his, on, the, on ESPN. And so I just wanted to show you that two-minute video really quick. You know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football mm -hmm. as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like, this is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like, thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say, like, we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want to, it's just on my heart that I want to pray for It is. DeMar Hamlin right, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that your God and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad. We're angry. Um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray. Truly come to you. And pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar. To be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 It's beautiful. Respectfully. We will continue to cover this story. We'll continue to bring you all the updates that... we have. And as usual, we'll see you tomorrow on NFL Live. I'll just reiterate how secondary football is in all of this. We are thinking and praying, as you've seen here, for DeMar Hamlin and his family and truly hoping for some better news. So even on Sundays, when in our country, football has been 
especially over the last 20, 30, 40 years, has becoming almost more of a religious experience than, it, than going to church. Football is becoming more of a God to many people, even sometimes for Christians. And it stops, we stop and think when there's a player that their life is at stake. Do we trust in God alone? And many people are turning to God, and like Dan Orlowski prayed, that we know that prayer works, and we know that there is a one true God, the one true God that we can trust. And even when bad things happen, even when things we don't understand happens, even when people have problems and people die, we can still trust in a good God that knows what's best. And He knows what we need. And He knows that we need Him. And so this week, even as, as this has been happening, there's a lot of people that are, are just saying, we're praying, we're praying, we're praying. But I love that this, this guy, Dan Orlowski, actually just said, instead of just say, let's pray, let's actually do it. Instead of just tell people, yeah, we're praying for you, let's pray together. And so I want to encourage you, when, when there's problems, when we have a, even a prayer list, let's pray together for people. And so, imagine what it would be like if we took this seriously. That we lived like we believed that, that God is a God that cares and loves and that we can trust. And I know that many of us in this room and people watching do believe this. But let's live it. Let's show people that we trust God. Let's volunteer to be in the wheelbarrow. Let's trust God that much that, that we will volunteer for something that's crazy, that no one else would, that we're going to trust God no matter what. And so I'm going to do something a little bit different today as we close. I just want to maybe uh, invite you guys just to turn to people that are sitting near you and just for a couple minutes just to pray together. And then I will close us in prayer. But just uh, take a couple minutes and uh, just just let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. Thank you for being trustworthy and good and that we can cling to you no matter what. Lord, we pray that we would be, through this week, worshiping you, trusting you, calling out to you, that we would live like we believe that we trust in you. Lord, we pray that we would continue to pray together, that we would continue to lift each other up. We pray for the bond that we have in you, Jesus, that you would grow that. Lord, we pray for the people that are in suffering, people that need comfort, people that need healing. Lord, that ultimately, more than anything, they would trust you. 
God, we, we trust you and ask that you would continue to give us more of you. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.